You're listening to a teaching series by Cross Culture Church of Christ. If you'd like any more information about our church, head to crossculture.net.au. Feel free to share this podcast with others, but please don't alter the content in any way. We hope you enjoy it. In the 1960s, there was a woman named Jane Elliott, and she was very, very upset after the death, the assassination of Martin Luther King. Now, Jane was a school teacher, and when she got to school that day, many of her students were asking her about the assassination of Mr. King and what it meant. Uh, Jane wanted to help her students understand some of the issues of that time. She wanted the kids to understand what it would be like to be discriminated against, to feel favoritism, not for themselves, but against themselves. She wanted, to ex- she wanted her students to experience what many African-American kids were experiencing during that period and still experience today. So she decided to do a little experiment Now, firstly, she asked the kids if they wanted to participate in her experiment. And they said, yeah, we do. We want to know what it's like. We want to understand. And so we want to be a part of the experiment. Jane divided the class into two groups, the kids with brown eyes and the kids with blue eyes. And she said that the kids with brown eyes are going to be treated special for one week. They had lots of extra privileges. They go to recess early. They would be able to eat candy. And they would be able to, uh, they didn't have to do as much homework. They got all these special privileges. And the kids with blue eyes didn't get as many privileges. Uh, they had to um, stay longer in class and have less recess. Now, what's really interesting is that as soon as these changes started to happen uh, between the blue eyed kids and the brown eyed kids, their behavior started to change. The brown eyed kids started to bully the blue eyed kids just because they were chosen to be the special kids for the week, they started to pick on the blue-eyed kids. Uh, And the same thing happened the following week when the experiment was reversed. Now, you might think, well, that's a bit of a silly thing. We wouldn't wouldn't do anything like that, would we? We we don't show that kind of favoritism uh, and prejudice. But of course, uh, all of us do. Each of us have strange little preferences that we turn in to areas where we show unfair preferential treatment towards others. Today we have a great passage to look at. We're going to be looking at an imperfect family, one that we can probably relate to, who are fighting over inheritance and showing the parents are showing favoritism to particular kids. Uh, we can totally understand and see that this is relevant for our world today. But we're also going to look at this Abrahamic blessing, the blessing that they're fighting over. And we're going to look at the reality that Jacob still ends up being blessed with this Abrahamic blessing, even though he does something really awful in deceiving his father. And so we're going to be asking, how can God allow Jacob to be blessed? We're going to discover that God says we shouldn't show favoritism, and God doesn't show favoritism either. And last of all, we're going to see that this passage really helps us consider the importance of family and our families and valuing our family above 
earthly inheritance. Is there someone in your family who gets treated a little bit better than everybody else? Favoritism in the family, it can be a tricky thing to navigate. We saw a little bit last week that this family was a family that played favorites and the results of that come to fruition in this chapter. In the opening verses in one to four, we see that Isaac calls his favorite son Esau into a private meeting. It's a meeting where Isaac is gonna to talk to Esau about him giving Esau the fatherly blessing, passing on the blessing that Abraham had given Isaac. Now, this was an unusual meeting. Normally, what would happen in the ancient Near East is that a father would call all of his sons as he's heading towards his death. He would call all of his sons together and he'd give each one of them a blessing. Isaac was going blind. He thought he was going to die soon and he called only Esau, not Jacob. What is the go with that? Well, it was really dodgy of him to not include Jacob in this blessing ceremony. So you can already see there's some problems from the beginning. Possibly when you've gone through this passage before, you've really seen Jacob and Rebecca as the main ones at fault. And they are the ones that uh, probably do the, the worst act in deceiving their father. But Isaac and Esau are also at fault in this way. Now in verse five, we see that Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Instead of Rebecca going in to the meeting, interrupting Esau and Isaac and saying, hey, this is inappropriate. You can't cut Jacob out of this blessing. Instead of doing that, uh, she concocts her own little secret plan. She decides she's gonna dress Jacob up as Esau and they're gonna go about pulling off the biggest blessing heist of human history. Jacob is scared of getting caught, but ultimately he goes along with the plan as well. Now, one thing to understand about the Old Testament is that it's often just recording the history of what happened. And it's not making comments on the rightness or wrongness of people's choices. But make no mistake, this kind of behavior is not acceptable and is written against in scripture. The Bible makes it really clear not to lie. It makes it clear not to lie to an old man who's blind in Leviticus. And it also makes it clear not to show favoritism. But what is favoritism? Well, let's define it. Favoritism is unfair preferential treatment at the expense of somebody else. Unfair preferential treatment at the expense of somebody else. Leviticus 19.33 says this, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The Israelites were instructed, at least later on down the track, not to show favoritism to their own people, but to treat strangers and foreigners who entered their land equally and fairly. No unfair preferential treatment. In Romans, God talks about being a God who does not show partiality to people as well. So neither should we. Now you might say, okay, that's really nice. Let's love our neighbors ourselves and treat everybody fairly. But of course, it can be a little bit more complicated than that. Treating everybody fairly doesn't necessarily mean treating everybody the exact same way. In my family growing up, uh, my dad, he made us move cities as a family so that my older brother could study at uni because he was not 18 yet. 
He used to wait for hours for me to finish my violin lessons. He used to go to my brother's football games. Wait, how come he never came to my football games? No matter. He also used to ride with my sister on a tandem bike around town. I'm actually really glad that he didn't do that with me. So each of us was different. And so we got treated a little bit differently. We had different interests, strengths, gifts, abilities. And it's okay for parents to treat kids differently in that sense. There needs to be a little bit of difference because all your kids are going to be different. So how can we identify if there is a little bit of favoritism playing out in our families beyond just some of these little differences in how we need to treat people? One practical suggestion from someone in our church was that a family can simply have a conversation about this. Parents could ask their kids, do you guys think that there's a favorite? Do you guys think that mum and dad are acting fairly towards each one of you? In doing this, you'll have an open, honest conversation about a topic that can be difficult to talk about, but it shows your kids that we're actually willing to discussing these things and there's no problem with talking about them. Conversation like that was certainly not what was happening in Isaac and Rebecca's family. The second thing you might consider as a parent is to reflect on what things you brag about to your relatives and to your friends about your kids. Do you find yourself focusing on Timmy, who's really good at piano? And then when they ask you, what about Stevie? How's he going? You're kind of like, I don't know. Well, Stevie's, I guess he's okay at Nintendo. There are perhaps differences in terms of what your kids are going to be good at. You might be able to figure out some of these areas of favoritism and personal preference by looking at your conversations with your friends and relatives about your kids. In the end, God does make people different, but he makes them equal in value. And we're going to see how the Abrahamic blessing actually affirms this truth. So our families shouldn't have favorites, not in the sense of unfair preferential treatment. God's family doesn't have favorites and the church shouldn't have favorites either. We want to adopt the character of the God who does not play favorites and treats all people equally, whether they have brown eyes or blue eyes. They're acceptable to God. Okay, we're going to move on now to verses 14 to 29 and talk more about this blessing. And I just said that God doesn't play favorites. And you might be thinking, but I think there's a bit of favoritism by God in this passage. And so we're going to have a look at that in a bit more depth. Now, I mentioned earlier that the family are fighting over a big blessing. Rebecca wants the Abrahamic blessing to go to Jacob. And in fact, God has already promised that that was going to happen in the previous chapter. Isaac wants it to go, wants it to, go to his favorite son, Esau. But in this next section, we see that Jacob is successful in dressing up like Esau and tricking his father who's going blind, getting older, and Isaac doesn't realize. He nearly cottons on, but he doesn't realize that it's actually Jacob, not Esau. And he gives the blessing to Jacob. In verse 28, he gives this amazing blessing to Jacob. Uh, and it pretty much looks like there was really nothing left for Esau. Of course, Isaac was hoping to give everything to Esau and nothing to Jacob. He says in verse 28, May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth 
and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. In a later section, Genesis 28, 14, we see God say this. He teases out and shows you that this blessing really was the Abrahamic blessing going to Jacob. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So what is going on here? How can Jacob deceive his father like this and still end up getting blessed? Can't Isaac just kind of go, hang on, that's not fair. I'm going to redo the blessing on Esau later on. You can't do that. Well, to answer that first question, the way Isaac and his family uh, and the ancient Near East understood these blessings were that they were kind of once-off divine pronouncements. It was a spiritual matter and it was also a prophetic matter. So you made the spiritual pronouncement, but of course, it's not Isaac who's going to make it happen. It's God who's going to make it happen. Isaac only has one of these blessings to give, and he's given it now to this person. And so in his mind, and in God's mind, it's going to be honored. It can't be undone. The second question is about God showing favoritism. Hasn't God, who's told us not to show favoritism, now showed favoritism to Jacob and not Esau? Let's go a bit more in depth on this commonly asked question. As we saw Esau accidentally gave the Abrahamic blessing to Jacob and it included abundance of wine and prosperity and the land as well that Abraham was promised. So Esau is going to be left with not really much at all. It's going to go to Jacob. But one thing wasn't included in the Abrahamic blessing for Jacob and his descendants. Let me tell you what that was. Forgiveness of sins and salvation. That's correct. Jacob is blessed. He carries the Abrahamic blessing and his line of descendants is going to bring forth Jesus, the Messiah. What a privilege. But that is not a guarantee that Jacob and his descendants are going to be saved. Let me prove it. We'll go and look at Romans 9, 1 to 5. In Romans 9, we have in verses 1 to 5, the Apostle Paul, and he is a Jew, and he's writing to Jewish people. He wants to com convince his Jewish family, his Jewish brothers, to believe in Jesus the Messiah. And he wants them to understand that they have to have faith in him in order to be acceptable to God. Now, to the average Jew, this would have been a very difficult thing to accept. Because at the time, they believed that they were God's chosen people. Let's have a listen to what Paul says as he's so upset about this issue because he wants to see the descendants of Jacob, the Israelites, not only have the blessing, but also have salvation as well. This is what he says. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are the Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, 
the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So Paul is saying that the the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob's, they have the adoption, the glory, the promises. They get to carry out the lineage of Jesus. But if they don't put their faith in Jesus, even though they're elect and chosen, they won't be saved. For the Jewish people, as well as the Gentiles, to receive the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of having our sins forgiven and knowing our Creator, they both have to approach through faith. Now, this would have been very upsetting for the average first century Jew, because at the time, they were kind of like those students in Jane Elliott's classroom. They thought that they were the special chosen group and that that meant to the exclusion of the other kids in the class, the other group. Like, we're the special chosen people. That's why the person responds to Paul in Romans 9 saying, this isn't fair. It's not fair that God chose Jacob and God chose us, but now you're telling us he's going to let in the Gentiles as well? He's going to let in Esau too? That's not fair. So you can see that God's not showing favoritism when he picks Jacob to be his elect and picks his descendants to bring forth Jesus. Because the reason for that elective purpose was to bring forward Jesus the Messiah who would die on the cross for the sins of all human beings from all the families of the earth so that all the families of the earth would be able to receive the Abrahamic blessing through faith. God's elective purpose was to pick the younger, weaker of the two brothers and let Jesus' lineage come through him so that we would not get the idea that Esau as the firstborn had the right to have Jesus and those promises go through him and his descendants. God picks the weaker, foolish things of the world and uses them to bring everybody and put us all on the same level. So let's recap. Jacob was chosen, he was elected, to carry the lineage and promise of Jesus. But that didn't mean he was saved. He still had to put his faith in God, and his descendants still had to put their faith in God. And now today, both Jew and Gentile have to put their faith in Jesus in order to be saved. So you see that the election of Jacob does not mean that he's saved. What this means for us, and what was offensive to the average Jewish person at the time, was the idea that God had his elect people and the non-elect Gentiles. And he's saying both of them, non-elect and elect, have to come through Jesus, put their faith in him, in order to have the true Abrahamic blessing of relationship with God and forgiveness of their sins. What does that mean for us? Well, it means the story that we're reading about in this passage, about the Abrahamic blessing being passed on to Jacob. It means that through Jesus, all the families of the earth, every single person can approach Jesus in faith and receive this Abrahamic blessing. You don't have to worry about whether God picked you before the foundation of the world. 
like Jane Elliott picking the brown-eyed kids and not the blue-eyed kids. You don't have to worry about whether or not you are one of God's elect. Because if you put your faith in Jesus, you become one of God's elect in Christ. Until you understand election and God's elective purpose in this way, you will not understand the depth of the gospel and God's love and character. The fact that he doesn't pick and choose before you're born as to who gets saved and who doesn't, but rather he picks Jesus and he invites every single human being to have salvation and blessing in him. That is the gospel. Now we're coming to this sad ending in verses 30 to 35. Obviously, Esau comes back. He's really excited about receiving his blessing, but unfortunately, it's already been given to Jacob and Jacob has already ran off um, before Esau gets back. Esau cries out bitterly when he realizes what's happened. He's very upset because Jacob has already stolen his birthright and now he's stolen his, ble stolen his blessing as well. Esau was terribly upset about this. He cries out bitterly when he realizes what's happened and Jacob has deceived him a second time. Isaac is terrified when he realizes what's happened as well, but he can't undo it. Esau begs his father, please father, just, just one blessing. And Isaac says, what can I give you? It's clear that Isaac's intention was to give everything to Esau and nothing to Jacob. And so what comes out of Isaac now seems more like a curse. He's already blessed Jacob with the land, with prosperity, uh, with fruit from the ground. And now what can he give to Esau? He just blesses his sword. Uh, but he does give that slightly hopeful uh, sentence there, that when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had given him. And Esau decided that he was going to kill his brother. And being a hunter, that's a pretty sort of terrifying thing. Esau was the stronger of the two brothers. And so we, we'd probably know who was going to win that fight. Well, it gets worse. Rebecca realizes what's going to happen again. And this time she's going to send Jacob away. And what she thinks is only going to be a few days ends up being over 20 years. In fact, the irony of this little section ends in verse 45. Rebecca's telling Jacob that she's going to send him away. And she says, why should I be bereft of both of you, Esau and Jacob, in one day? Well, sadly, Rebecca actually never sees Jacob ever again. I grew up in a family with two brothers. And of course, we've had our fights and funny moments along the way. I remember growing up with them and we'd go to our grandmother's every weekend and play at her vineyard. And it was a really amazing place to play. It was, it was great. It was big open spaces, uh, lots of room to run around, a swimming pool, and also the best playground that you could ever have as a kid. It was a junk pile. It was piled up, burnt out tractors, uh, some old uh, racks and things for drying fruit. And there was also air conditioning ducts that you could slide down and use as, as, as slides. And one day my older brother was chasing me around the obstacle course that we sort of turned this junk pile into. And I slid down this air conditioning duct. And then I went to jump over a series of five plows that I would normally just jump over and it was all fine. But this time I got my foot caught and I tripped and I fell. And I won't go into too much details, but it, it split my leg open. 
my older brother ran over and he was freaking out, obviously. I'm, I'm bleeding. He was a quick thinker and so he thought to himself, I better stop the bleeding. So he went to take off his shirt to stop the bleeding, but then he realized he was wearing quite a nice shirt and he didn't want to get any blood on it. So uh, he decided to take off his socks and his shoes and he used his socks to bandage up my wounds. We called out to our younger brother. I was crying and, and, and my older brother called out to my younger brother, go get grandma, go back to the house. And my younger brother ran back to the house and then my older brother carried me back up to the house. And uh, we're wondering, gee, where's our, where's our little brother and where's grandma? We thought he would have gotten grandma by now. We get back to the house and then out comes my little brother. And he's licking an ice cream. And we're like, what are you doing? Where's, where's grandma? How come you haven't gotten grandma? Why, why haven't you gotten help? And he said, oh, I, I didn't realize what was going on. I just thought you were telling me to come back and grab an ice cream. Well, grandma eventually came out and got me to the hospital and got me some stitches. I think about my brothers and my family and how much they mean to me. And as much as we're not a perfect family, I do pray that things like inheritance don't really ever come between us. I think one of the really big things that's highlighted by this passage, and I think it shows up again later on in this story, but that family is far more important than any earthly inheritance. Today's story really highlights not only about the Abrahamic blessing and the way that God wants to bless us despite being imperfect people. It doesn't just give us insights into favoritism. It also highlights the preciousness of our families. It's really clear that God thinks families are really precious, far more precious than any earthly inheritance. He makes it really clear when he says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And he does this through Jesus. And the great thing about Jesus is that he invites us to become a part of his family. Jesus is God's son, and he deserved to get the biggest inheritance of all. However, he decides instead to take on a curse upon himself so that we can be blessed. Galatians 3 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus deserved to get the biggest blessing and the biggest inheritance, but he takes on a curse so that you and I can be included in his inheritance. That's the great story that comes out of this passage today. God does want to bless you and all the families of the earth and anyone can receive that blessing including you through faith in Jesus, I hope that you might put your faith in him today. Let's spend some time in prayer and then we're going to go straight into communion. Father God, we thank you for this story. We thank you for the way it challenges our motivations, the favoritism we do have a tendency to show people. Help us to treat people fairly in our families, outside our families, at our workplaces, in our churches, God. Challenge the unfair preferential treatment that we often show people. Help us to love our neighbours ourselves, to love people the way you do.
Lord, we thank you for the blessing that you gave to Jacob and that through that we see Jesus come and become a man among us, dying for us on the cross so our sins can be forgiven and so that all the families of the world can be blessed. We thank you that you invite every person to become a part of your family. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to put our faith and trust in you today so that we can experience that blessing. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.